Welcome to the BFA Life Podcast. We have a very special guest here today, and Josh and I are excited to sit down with, albeit virtually, Tim Schumann, who is the Regional Director for ACSI. Tim and his wife Sandy have been longtime staff members and friends of BFA, doing everything from being an RA to being the head of school. He really has seen and done it all. Tim, we're excited to have you here and talk about how God shaped you across all the different roles you've had. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll get started. Yeah, good morning, good afternoon. Um, I'm Tim Schumann, currently the Regional Director of International Schools at ACSI Global, the Association of Christian Schools International, where I serve about 160 to 170 international Christian schools around the world, like Black Forest Academy. And uh, normally I travel a lot to visit schools for various reasons and purposes. And uh, we haven't done any traveling for about a year and a half now. And we hope that that's going to pick up again in the future. Um, yeah. We're hoping that picks up soon, too, because then you can come through our doors. Yeah. Um, BFA is is obviously very near and dear to your heart, as we talked about this right before we started recording. Um, your involvement with BFA obviously goes for very, very many years. Can you can you tell us how you first got here and your and what role you had and what brought you? Yeah. Um, as a, as a boy growing up in our home, we were exposed to a lot of mission purposes in our home. My folks really, um, all about reaching their neighbors for Christ. And then that expanded into the world and they were very happy and pleased that any of us of their children would consider missions, foreign missions, and, uh, really encouraged us in that. And so as a boy, I really felt a call to missions and then over the years, it was just a case of, okay, God, where do you want me to be? Uh, fast forward into the 70s, uh, late 70s, I was at a Bible college and uh, went on a summer missions trip. And uh, that summer missions trip was to the Philippines. This, and on this particular oh. summer missions trip, we were exposed to a lot of different mission opportunities, everything from the village work, say in the jungle, to big city work, uh, church planning, seminary work, Bible translation. Um, and uh, somewhere along the line, I met some MKs that were going to Faith Academy in Manila. It was very interesting to see these kids and under, hear their stories. And they were in the boarding program at Faith Academy. And I was really intrigued, like, wow, so this is, this is a different way to do missions. And I certainly had an interest in working with young people, and I had been exposed to some teaching experiences, and I thought I could be involved in missions through these MK schools. And so that really turned my heart towards this thing, because all those other experiences didn't connect with my heart, my passion, until I saw these MKs. And uh, so it was a really interesting time. Then I I, I finished up at that Bible college, and at that time, I started to write to a place called Black Forest Academy because I had met some MKs that were also at this Bible college. My age, they had graduated from BFA, so this is these are older grads of BFA, wow. <laughs> and uh, so I was intrigued with Europe and Germany. I had taken German in high school, which didn't help me one bit in life, <laughs> um, but I was really interested in that place. And uh, I wrote to Black Forest Academy at that time. I, I had finished with a Bible degree, wanted to teach Bible. And I wrote to Black Forest Academy to Henry Taves, who was the head of the school at that time. And instead of saying to me, yes, fill out this application and we need you right now. Henry Taves wrote back. This is all letters in the mail in an envelope with stamps. <laughs> And he wrote and said, uh, well, if you want to teach, if you want to teach, you need to get your teaching license, your certification in teaching. And I remember that day in my hometown in Ohio, getting that letter in the mail and saying, okay, Lord, I am taking this as your word for me. So then after Bible college, I enrolled in the local state university to pursue my education degree. And that took me five years to finish it because I was paying my own way by then and uh, went through it as fast as I could while working almost full time. 
and uh, got that second bachelor's degree to teach. And I remember the first day that I enrolled there, walking on campus, and I remember talking to the Lord on this big campus on the sidewalk and say, Lord, my goal is Black Forest Academy. Help me to get there. And so I never took my eyes off of that target. And so then five years go by. And by the way, I have a friend from Bible College who joined the staff at Black Forest Academy. Her name is Sandy Meyer, my good friend, Sandy Meyer. And she's at Black Forest Academy, an RA at Storkenblick. And so over these five years, I was writing letters to my friend Sandy to say, what's it like at Black Forest Academy? I'm headed there. And she would tell me, you know, occasional letters back and forth. Imagine letters. I would write to her. It'd take a week to get to her. She would take a day or two to write back. So you're talking about a two-week-plus turnaround reply, no emails. And so she was encouraging me about this place and how great it was and and so then I enrolled. And so the, the five years go by at uh, the state university. And I thought, now I'm, I'm in my senior year. I'm going to, we're getting close now. So I write to Black Force Academy to say, I am getting close and I'd like to join the team. And I thought when I wrote that letter, man, I've done all this hard work. And I'll bet you they won't need me. I just, I, that would just be devastating that Black Force Academy wouldn't need me. And uh, also Sandy, she was telling me more about life and, you know, what it was like to live there. And I told Black Forest Academy, I want to come, I want to teach. And these are my, this is my degree. This is my area to teach. And so they wrote back and said, yes, great, apply. I do that. I get accepted to Jan's team. But Sandy and her letters, this is when I learned something else about BFA. Remember, I'd never been there. Didn't I was intrigued about it, but I didn't know a whole lot ex except what Sandy told me. And I was now saying, we're really getting close. What's life like there? And that's when I learned that me, as an incoming single guy, would have to live on my own in an apartment in this village in Germany. I thought, wait, what? Don't I get to live on campus and eat in the dining hall with everybody else for all the meals and... And I would have to live by myself in a village and I don't know the language. And this is one of those unusual moments that made a lot of sense later. I said, is there something else I can do? What's going on in the dorms? Can I live in the dorms? And Sandy said, well, yeah, you could. These are by letters. You could, but you'd have to join the dorm staff. You'd have to be an RA. Okay, can I do that? So I wrote then to Henry Taves said, I'm thinking about maybe I should start at BFAs and RA. That's an easier introduction. Hmm. And uh, so they said, yeah, that'd be great. And it really was a great experience for me. So I went into HBR with those guys in the fall of 1986. And it's really interesting. Those first students that you see when you're a new staff, like those kids are the ones that are sort of burned in your mind. And so we remember all those things and the dorm was an intense experience. So I lived in HBR with 40 boys and the other staff, 40 boys at HBR. And so something was always going on 24 seven, right? I mean, I would hear the creaking noises in the building in, in the middle of the night. Something was <laughs> up. And uh, really a, a great experience uh, for me there. Um, all, the, all the things that happened. And those boys today are not no longer boys. They're now in their early 50s, and they have teenagers of their own. Very interesting to see them and follow them and uh, stay in touch. And uh, yeah, made that was, it through. That was going to be that was going to be my question. If you stayed in touch with some of those boys, yeah, some of them uh, really I have. In fact, one of them lives here in our town, and I hadn't seen him since he was a kid. So he and I caught up for lunch recently a few years back and uh, we had a great conversation. And then when the bill came to the table, I said, let me take that for you. I'll, I'll pay that bill. And he said, are you kidding? No, 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 no. You guys did for us. I owe you more than this lunch. <laughs> great memories, things I had forgotten that he remembered. And uh, it was really, really cool. And uh, by the way, Sandy and I were now together and something had happened in that letter writing just prior to my departure. And we got engaged uh, just two weeks before the kids showed up for that fall. 
Oh, wow. And uh, so this set the stage. Yeah. I didn't, I I actually left, I'd raised my support. I left uh, home. And when I was on the airplane, I had a ring in my pocket because I knew what I was going to do. We hadn't discussed this at all, but I, I knew (laughs) that what I was going to do. Now I have to say, I, I actually came in the June before just a few months before joining staff and uh, to, to really see it finally, to understand where I was going to be living. And, and uh, so I finally saw Sandy after five years had gone by. And, and so then I knew when I came back, I was going to ask this question. I was going to propose to her at some point. I didn't know when, how, nothing. But I, and of course, I didn't want to buy a ring over there. I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. So I bought a ring in hopes and I had it in my pocket on the airplane when I left, not knowing what I would do with that. And then I go to the dorm administrator at the time, I now new staff, uh, very early. And I said to this Rich Heath, I said, Rich, I don't know this community, but I, I'm just going to, and I don't even know Rich at that time. I just said, he's a great guy. I said, I'm thinking of asking Sandy to, to marry me. What do I got to do to do that? Is that okay in this community, BFA? <laughs> it better be and because it, I got a ring in my pocket and I'm going to do it yeah. whether, whether you tell me or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, so that conversation happened across the reception. You know, in that room where the copier is on the right and that there's yeah. a little closet there? Yeah. By the kitchen, just before yeah. the kitchen, yeah, there's yeah, that sure. closet. Well, that was Rich's office. Oh, and I was wow. in there okay. with him and I, and I'm, this is the time when I had the conversation and Rich surprised me. He said, I think you need to ask her now. You need to do it now. Just get it out there <laughs> because you're new. We, the kids aren't here yet. We'll set up your schedule. So you have the same days off and yeah, I think you should do it now. I, I was, what, what now? <laughs> That's awesome. I wasn't have, even sure. We have Rich and Judy to thank for your legacy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. They, they know this story and. And uh, so I was thinking, you know, probably Christmas now. So I was, I arrived three weeks ahead of the school start. So we, Sandy and I were doing things on weekends and stuff uh, between learning some German and fixing up the dorms. And uh, we decided one day that we'd take a day trip to Adelboden in Switzerland. And I thought I'd really prayed up on this. I thought this is the day just a week before the kids would come back, I think. And uh, so that whole day we're walking around town and on the trails and having a really nice time. And we found our bench and we still go back to that bench whenever we get back to Audubon. And and, uh, I popped a question there and she was as surprised as I was. (laughs) I mean, I knew what I was doing, but I hadn't had much time to think about it. And uh, so, of course, she said yes. And uh, then we came back to the BFA community. We met with Doris and Jesse Frank, sister and brother-in-law, and uh, we broke out a box of apple juice, a box of apple juice, right? Wow. That's what you do in Germany in a missionary community. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was a Saturday. At least, at least it was maybe a shorty. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse Frank just called me for my birthday the other day my brother-in-law. And he just said, yes, Tim, we're opening up a box of apple juice. It's sort of this thing we have all, all these years That's later great. for your birthday. Anyway, uh, and next Sunday was church, BFCF, and we were telling Henry Taves, and, the, and, and it just went through through that service that was at Leal in the big hall in Leal. Really wonderful congratulations from everybody. Henry Taves right on down. So so then we were engaged in the dorm, Sandy at Stork, me at HBR, and a, a really wonderful year with those kids. And those kids know this story. You can ask Melody, Melody White. She was one of those kids that was at Stork and Blake, oh, and her my. husband was one of the boys. Hmm. Oh, man, I got stories about Don White. That's incredible. As a high schooler. <laughs> uh, they were there. They saw the whole thing. Uh, and so it was a really wonderful year with them. And uh, so then we were going to get married. We decided to get married that following summer after my first year at BFA. And then we would come back and we would have an apartment. And I was going to finally do the thing I came to do was to teach. And 
so really the Lord was calling me to this place. And, and um, I want to say one thing about transition here. Um, you, you had asked a question, uh, something about that, that time at, uh, in the dorm. How did it stretch you outside your comfort zone? When I was at HBR with those boys, I've told this story many times. I came as the most monocultural guy probably mm. ever. I had no pre-field orientation. No, I didn't even go to the mission for their orientation. I raised support and I went. So I had no training, no, except when I landed there. And uh, those guys really shaped me, uh, chipped away at all the sharp edges. I mean, it was, a, it was many years before I really understood what was happening. I remember being in the dorm with those guys and trying to understand who they were. And most of them are American passport holders, not all of them. And I remember these boys were really into soccer. And I'm this kid from a suburb in Ohio. Soccer, we didn't, we didn't follow soccer. That was a strange sport. I mean, it was around, but really fringy. And and I, th their interest in soccer just kind of blew me away. But more in addition to that, when I'd see these international friendlies and hear these guys on the couch with me in the TV room, were cheering for Italy, or they were cheering for Germany or Austria, and they're American. What are you doing? I would say this to them: "You're an American. You don't cheer for Italy. <laughs> like this is how you're doing right. We do." <laughs> I mean, so mono, I mean, America number one stuff with me when I arrived and it, it took a long time to get past that. But these guys were just so patient with me. And of course, I wasn't the first monocultural person they'd seen. Here comes another one. But little by little, <laughs> they let me into their world. And, and, and um, so over time, I changed. I mean, coming back to America now after 24 years there. Uh, yeah, I'm not the same guy that I was. Mm. So it was, a, it was a really shaping uh, time for me there. Um, so Tim, if Tim, if you had a if you had a piece of advice for some of these new male RAs or even female RAs for that matter, coming in this coming year, granted that the students are both the same and also very different. What would what would your twenty eight-year-old or 27-year-old self want to know before they step into this role? Yeah. Wow. You know, I actually gave this talk on a visit to BFA about five years ago to the RAs. I have to think what I said, though. <laughs> I got to remember what I said. <laughs> um, I, I'll just say this. Um, well, it's worth it and to hang in there and that that 15-year-old kid um, will grow up and you'll see the change. Uh, to hang in there. My years of being in this uh, ministry of Christian education, every teacher, every dorm staff member has to take the long view. And at the moment, it seems like this is not worth it. It's later when you get the call from a former student. And those are like gifts from heaven when they come. Uh, really remind you that why you got into this thing in the first place. Um, I would also say be more patient. I would say to myself, be more patient. Um, hang in there with those boys, especially. Um, those are some of my thoughts. And and by the way, and that ministry is so unique. If anybody's thinking about ministry, uh, I have a brother that's a pastor. I mean, he, he has a wonderful ministry um, and primarily centered around weekend events, right? And, and some occasional visits, uh, interaction with your, his parishioners, we are in there 24-7 doing life together in that place, the ups and the downs, highs, lows. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, it, it, it is a full-on ministry, the body of Christ in action at that place. And, and it's really, you're really going someplace unusual in that in a place like Black Forest Academy. You talk about all of these rough edges being chipped off of you over the years. And now that you've had uh, quite a few to reflect and actually understand that change, what's something that in your time as an RA, or even you, you stepped into a number of administrative roles, both in res life, as well as just the school side. Um, what's something that 
has equipped you and, and the ways that God has shaped you, even in your role at ACSI now that you sit back and say, wow, yeah. I learned this and I didn't necessarily put this into place even 20 years. And then all of a sudden yeah. Yeah. there's this tool in my toolbox that I, that I have. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, my silly decision to not, to not live alone as a single guy in the village of Condorn, and I traded that for, to be an RA, really uh, was an amazing series of events uh, that, that happened. After I became the RA, then I went to teaching full-time two years at the, the middle school of Black Forest Academy. And the then head of residence program, he, he left. Inasi was believing. And uh, again, wonderful couple. And, and, uh, but for some reason, because of my year in the dorm, and we really stayed in touch with, those, with the dorms, Sandy and I. I said to Rich and Henry Taves, um, that opening at Res Life, I would be interested in that, leading that program. And uh, looking back, and I think I was 31, a new dad, it's kind of crazy that I was that courageous to volunteer for that role, more so that they actually gave it to me. Uh, all of the dorm parents were older than me. I mean, really older than me. And uh, the RAs, of course, I knew them. We'd watch the program again up close for the two years. And so they gave that to me. And, and that started my administrative life. And I know some people are wired for administration and process policies, procedures. When I took that job, uh, the then administrator gave me one of those European stand-up folders of files, an eight-inch uh -huh. thick folder of files. I stayed as the resident's life administrator for six years. And by the time I handed it off to the next guy, I gave him three file drawers of Hmm. policies and procedures and records and other kinds of files to go along with the program. So, so we really, so the Lord had kind of unveiled this skill in my own life and my own interest. And, and then from there I moved on to back to the academic side, vice principal, principal, and then uh, director of the school and uh, uh, just really amazing gift of the Lord to be able to do all that. And I want to fast forward. So when I left Black Force Academy in 10 years ago, 10 years ago, um, by that time at BFA, I was already starting to consult with some other schools and other leaders and ACSI was using me to do a few trips. And then there was this opening to join the ACSI global team to do what I'm doing today to help more schools. And uh, about five years ago, I was at the lot International School in Penang, Malaysia, and I was examining their boarding program. Uh, when I joined ACSI, one of the first tasks they gave me was to revise the ACSI boarding accreditation protocol. This is a quality control instrument to help boarding programs be better boarding programs. And I was at Delot and looking at their program, and uh, that means interviewing, examining, watching, looking, and then looking at their documentation that goes with their boarding program. And I, at that time, I was sitting alone in one of their offices, leafing through their material. And I just had this thought, I'm the only reason why I am here 30 some years later doing this at the lot is because I made a decision to not live in the village of Conran as a single guy and put myself in the dorm. So I had that boarding experience that I took. And then I was the head of residence at Black Force Academy and continued to watch it in all the other roles that I had and, be, and ahead of school. And so I brought this, this full on deep appreciation for the boarding at Black Force Academy. And of course, the academic side of what it was going to do. And here I am now way into the future saying, if I hadn't had those experiences, hmm. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And and then all the other experiences that, that about what schools are and what schools should do uh, were just brought in to bear uh, on that as well. The mentoring, the trust that Henry Taze had in me, George Durant, Dave Jones, and how they poured into my life and let me flourish was also a gift that uh, that is, is, is a big part of what I do today. 
I think this is a common story. Time and time again, we hear, you know, people saying, I came here as this, but then I had all these other roles. And there's just something about BFA that continues to just keep you coming back year after year. Um, And I just, I appreciate how quintessentially BFA your story is um, Mm -hmm. professionally, but also just you are the the essence of like a BFA love story. Um, <laughs> you're just like, yeah. yeah I it's just more it's more common. I have not the smile do. on my face is not left. I just, um, yeah. I love how the Lord uses just these little things, and it, retrospect is everything, right? Like you can see the Lord moving in your life um, as you look back, and um, and how He's placed you into the position that you are today. Um, and you never knew he was doing that, right? And we yeah. all have, we all can relate to that. And um, yeah, it kind of encourages me as a 30-year-old working at BFA. Um, and what does the Lord have in store for me? Yeah. You know, um, and I hope people listening that are interested in working at BFA or those who used to work at BFA a long time ago, um, yeah, maybe for them just to reflect back on on how the Lord grew you and shaped you but also if you're thinking of coming here um the potential that the that there is for the lord to work on your life and um yeah just the journey is so exciting with him the god's hand in changing my life over those years uh was just uh tremendous Uh, and you know the the whole longevity thing for us Sandy and I talked about that uh, the other night, just like, how was that? Why, why did we stay so long? And I think we loved it there. We, we loved the pace of life. That's, that's an unusual thing to say. It's, a, it's an intense environment. But, but uh, the calming influence of a black forest uh, mm-hmm. really does uh, help. Uh, but the relationships in the community there, um, I've heard from some fellow staff members years later about the times that some of us men would get together to pray in a consistent way. My relationships and friendships with some of those men are still very strong to this day. Uh, Bill Bateman, Mark Weeb, and I in contact with each other, even this week. Um, that I always made a priority uh, throughout all the roles that I held was to stay uh, close with other men, sort of an accountability thing that we did, but really encouraging each other as men, husbands, fathers was uh, a critical, critical thing. And and today I get to share that with other leaders and some leaders will say they can't do that. Well, we did that. It was really the, I want to say this too, it was really the body of Christ, the Black Forest Academy, as it is, I'm sure today. I've said so many times how over those years we had babies born, we had people die we had heartache and sin, and we had victories and joys that it, it really truly is the, the intensity of the body of Christ in that place doing life together. Uh, the downside is you are doing everything together. Anybody sneezes and everybody knows it. <laughs> right. Uh, but the upside is the love and the care and having to face any struggles that we might have. We had to go towards them. We couldn't walk away and go back into our other neighborhoods like I do today. We, we, we couldn't get away from each other. So it's, it's a beautiful community that we miss dearly. Um, and uh, so it's uh, just, uh, it'll always be a part of us. It will never leave us. We think about you guys every day. Uh, <laughs> it is our, it's our, it feels like our home, we, like we should be there. Um, but the Lord has us here for now. And your, your story and, and especially the piece as you starting of coming to an RA and how you got to that decision with that, that's a part that I didn't know, but it, it hits on this idea of as people move here. And I would even say this for, for current staff, you hit on it of, of the kids in the watching soccer of, oh, great, here's another one. But to, to fight against this isolation and removing of yourself because you are tired of Mm. either connecting or you are embarrassed. And as I was uh, talking through, even with some some new staff here and and learning German and 
so much of living abroad as an adult and even as a kid is you learn how to be okay with and embrace uncomfortable situations and to be okay with looking like a fool because you know that those people who now see your vulnerability are going to be the ones who are also going to stand with you in those tough moments and the times that you would probably sink if you were completely isolated and had this veneer of perfectness. But if you can throw yourself into a really awkward situation of life and living kind of on top of each other, man, this, that, you know, that's community at its finest. It's not necessarily uncomfortable, but it sure is healthy. And and you just need to dip your toes in and sometimes just dunk your whole body in, even if that's not how you're wired. I'm not wired that way, but How many times have, has Josh bailed me out of, you know, Hey, I know this about you. I see this and I'm here to help you whether you're asking for help or not. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that happened. I mean, I've often said too, when you're as a leader, head of school, if you can count your board chairman as your good friend, that is extremely unusual. And and I had that because we did life together, even at that highest level. And that was a value that I carried and refused to give up. So Tim, um, from where, where you sit now and all of these experiences that you had at BFA and now working with, what is it? 170 different schools around the world. Yeah. Um, what is your passion, hope, vision for, um, international education for missionary kids, uh, for, teachers going out across the world um to teach in these places what what's at the yeah. core of of your why do you wake up in the morning now is really what yeah, I'm asking. yeah that, that's a good question and that relates to my current work i would want to see black force academy continue to be that strong school that it is that it will continue to attract a, a great families and students like other schools do that it would stabilize its future. These are are tricky questions everywhere. Um, And stabilizing its future means a stable staff. Um, um, There's another talk that I I give, what is the face of of MK schools today? And MK schools are changing right around the world, everywhere I go. And uh, if you put schools, some of them that you've been in contact with on on a continuum from 100% MK to 100% business kids, Christian international schools, you can plot all of the schools that I serve on that line. They're somewhere on there. Mm -hmm. And some of them are 50-50, 50% MK, 50% TCK. And now you would add in local kids into that mix too. And it's a question of there's motion. It's just a, a question of speed. How fast are they moving in that direction? towards more TCKs um, and, and not to MKs are still part of the mix and they're vitally important. Um, but uh, I really believe in Christian education uh, for all children and in the international school case for all kinds of kids that are, are out there with their moms and dads. And uh, I, I, I've seen so many schools today, and uh, it's just an amazing movement of God as he's using this tool to reach children and families and cities for himself, and, and then raising up these alumni to go off and do amazing things. Uh, so I feel always that I have a front row to see God at work through Christian schooling. I love the I love the idea of, of marketplace ministry, and especially somebody such as myself who was educated and kind of worked through the business world first. And then you have that, that backdoor into missions of, okay, this is how I'm wired. This is the value that I can bring. You see those, those folks who are not necessarily wired to do traditional missions of in the bush, planting a church, doing this Mm -hmm. are the accountants of the world and the lawyers of the world. You are serving Christ and being a place that only you are equipped to do and be. And if we can raise those people up. And even as we talk through with, supporting churches of, you know, what are things that BFA and other schools deal with? I don't care what your parents do. You're a teenage kid who's trying to figure out life and trying to figure out what way is up. You know, who cares what your role is and what your, you know, where your finances come from. You are a very moldable and influential person that needs 
guidance. And if that comes from somebody who loves God and cares for the kid, that's great. That's all we're doing here. And if we can have some bonus on the side of enabling families who would not necessarily be able to get here on top of that, you know, we're, we're three or four wins in. Let's just, let's do all of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity. There's some neat things happening. Tim, what are, what are things that you consider to be biggest needs across all of these different schools? And I guess even in the specific context of boarding schools. Well, I, I would say the biggest need, there's no doubt about it. The number one need of the schools that I serve through ACSI is staffing. That yeah. shouldn't surprise you, <laughs> um, but it, it finding staff for these overseas schools is a challenge everywhere. And by the way, this is not just Christian international schools, but all of these private international schools, it's a very competitive market. There is tremendous turnaround. If you broadcast the turnaround rates at, at our schools, it would look terrible versus a national school system like the schools around me here in Colorado. If you had that kind of turnaround, they'd say something was wrong with that private school. But this is just the name of the game in all international schools because you're recruiting expats from all over the world to join that school. And uh, in the in the, the non-Christian schools, there is a revolving door of staff. And I can tell you this with absolute certainty, there's a lot of people out there that just go from school to school to school. One year they do they do a couple of years in Vietnam, then they do a couple of years in Japan, then they come to Italy, then they go back to Seoul, uh, where they are just racking up years in school. It's kind of cool, but it is a this turnaround. It's just a fact, and uh, BFA is no no different. People come for mm-hmm. that would be a good experience, right? One one year, two years, three years. The the one of the things we have to do is retention, recruiting amongst our own staff. We got to do that a lot better and that's everywhere. Um, but now we're just coming through this pandemic season and it just took a step up. It's even harder now. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to convince people that yes, this is a good time to come that yes, it is possible to do this. And you can go through that travel tunnel from where you are located to the other one safely and get there and enjoy this full on wonderful ministry. And uh, so I wouldn't, it's just the recruiting of staff is, is a challenge for everybody. And we're trying to do our part through our own job board and ideas, job fairs that we put on to help uh, schools like Black Forest Academy. And by the way, I just wanna add here, Black Forest Academy has just a fantastic reputation um, everywhere I go, people know Black Forest Academy. They know somebody that's at Black Forest Academy. They know somebody that graduated from that school. Uh, it's got a wonderful name recognition. It's got a great brand. And I'm really so proud of what you guys have done recently in these past years. The look that you're giving to BFA is just so complimentary to the goal. And uh, who wouldn't want to come and give another year, uh, give a year or two to that place? Um, uh, it's very tempting for us as well, but hmm. the God's called us elsewhere. <laughs> so we'll just, um, we'll just keep asking. Eventually you'll yeah. cave and come back. <laughs> it's yeah. A, so it's a, it's a longevity thing. We'll just keep asking until you can. <laughs> yeah. So staffing is, is the big issue in international schools, wherever they are. But along with that, how do you keep the heart and core and purpose and mission of that school strong while you have this wheel of staff coming and going? And, uh, you know, sometimes you can't quite put your finger on it, but it takes a committed core that uh, keeps that school what it is. It means good uh, policies and procedures, identification of its mission and purpose, and keep coming back to that. Um, that keeps the school where it needs to be. That's a, that's a really encouraging piece because I've thought recently, you know, as we move through now two classes that are, you know, having to give up their experiences um, and do remote learning, or if they are on campus, it's very limited. There's no sports, there's no play, there's no banquets. There's, And Mm. so a lot of those things are what make up the BFA culture. And I'm sure this is true for schools around the world is, (laughs) dare I say, once Corona is gone or whatever the world will look like, um, it's going to be so important 
for those that remain, the staff that remain, to um, either revive some of the things that are core to the BFA uh, experience, the the traditions, the culture, yeah. or mm-hmm. you know, it also may have given us a chance to rethink what are the things that really make BFA what it is, and um, so I think that's just a common thing and and retention is part of that and longevity and resiliency of the staff is is what what keeps it going right yeah there's a there's a somebody that i think it was actually uh lynn peachy who said this that we, we were sitting in some training or meeting or something where she basically said you know your longevity and your history is is only as good as the oldest person in the room that's the you know mm. they're the person who knows <laughs> the most and who cares if BFA started in 1956, if everybody in the meeting doesn't remember two years behind us, all that knowledge is not shared. And so who, you know, even as we as alums, uh, you know, in some respects, I see us as uh, keepers of, of legacy and names and, um, you know, reminding people, Hey, this is why we did what we did. And this is why we chose to not turn into this or, know you kind of kind of the record keepers <laughs> we're the old we're the two old guys in the basement with all the records no we're not <laughs> no it's true we're old <laughs> we're not old um one other one other question comes to mind that that kind of feeds into the needs for education is um as you see all these schools what are consistent ways that you have seen schools partner with families well in developing their kids uh, i think again every every bright school that I see and there are just so many really keep their eye on the purpose and they remind themselves of that purpose all the time. And, and from that center area of that wheel, uh, lots of spokes move outward about uh, not only how you're going to do education, how you're going to work with those students through their ups and downs, but also how you're interacting with moms and dads and partnering with them in in the co-parenting, the co-education of their children, um, and then with the alumni. And so building that strong base around what you're doing, keeping your eye on that ball all the time, and calling the school and the community to excellence. That's a trick. Uh, I mean, it's not a trick. It's a, it's, it's a need. It's a must that we have to be shooting for a better and better improvement all the time. And, and that has all the relational aspects. It has the hard data aspects of academics and, and its finances. Um, so when you get that wheel turning well, then the school gets that momentum going. And, and that's what I see has to happen everywhere we go. I was going to tell you uh, about, I remember one story. Uh, it's about that staff need. If I just yeah. go back to that for a second. Sure. Um, one day in prayer with our ACSI global team, my colleague Tim Thompson had prayed that the Lord would meet the needs of staffing for these schools around the world that we serve. And he used this phrase in prayer. He said, Lord, meet the needs of, of, of our schools for staff who need hundreds, if not thousands of staff this coming year. And I have never forgotten that phrase, hundreds, if not thousands. I thought, is Tim right about that? I went back to my office and I stood at my whiteboard and wrote that phrase on the wall. And I thought, really? 160, 170 schools. And I know there's a lot of turnover. And I started doing the math. And I can say with pretty strong confidence that the average need of every single member international schools are probably the average of all the schools together would be about five teachers that they're going to need for the coming year. Because some of them are going to need, for sure, one. Some, like Black Force Academy and others, are going to need to find 30. And that's not uncommon for Black Force Academy. And so you put that all together, and suddenly we're up to 800, 900 staff that are going to be going out this fall. Hmm. It's, it's an amazing thing. And I knew, like, wow, I haven't been paying attention to this as strongly as I need to. And Tim was right. Um, yeah. Anyway, threw wow. that in there for you. Wow. It gives it gives context to how how much God moves every every year. Yeah, and how yeah. Much... And if you guys think you're the only one with a staffing problem and recruiting problem, you're <laughs> not. Everybody yeah. has this. 
Yeah. Now there we have a service spectrum. Those schools that have to rely on staff that will raise their missionary support on the far end, we have some of our sister schools that are able to drop a contract and a benefit package and travel budget for you to get there. So I serve that wide spectrum of schools mm -hmm. and every one of them have a fantastic story of how God raised it up and what they're doing in the lives of young people and in our communities. Um, wow. Tim, thanks for, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. You, uh, you bleed BFA blue more than, more than possibly anybody I know. Well, we're, we pay attention. In fact, you know, you guys probably know this. Sometimes we can't even look at your stuff because it just hurts. We love Does it. it hurt at the same time, it's get like, you to come back. You know, uh, you, you know, do you know why I left? I mean, not why I left, but in part, I remember the day when I realized, I think I'm done here. Hmm. And it was in that final 24th year. And uh, Laird Levitt came into my office in October and said, Tim, can you help us settle something? We're all debating whether it's time to turn on the heat in the building or not. And I thought to myself, I've been here too long. <laughs> I know every nut and bolt, every crack in that building. I know every crack in, on the sidewalks in Condren. And I thought, you know, it's time for somebody else to take this to the next level. Um, and, and, it, and it was, and by the end of that year, God had, uh, opened the door to do something else. And, uh, and then one day when I'd come back to Black Forest Academy, this is probably about three years ago. When I, when we come back, it's always a joy. We love coming back and we're welcomed very warmly by you guys. And, and I stayed in that Jans team. Yeah. The Jans B&B. house in town. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'd come down for breakfast on my first morning and the hosts there, you know, staff people from the States had said, good morning, Mr. Schumann. Do you need anything? Can I show you where the banks are, where the stores are? I thought, okay. <laughs> I said, you know, I don't think I, I, I know where stuff, I've been here before. And it was like this weird, <laughs> like, okay, it's shifted now. And mm -hmm. And uh, so just a, a, an unusual sort of, okay, that's the, that's the end of something. <laughs> Some of the banks have moved, just so you know. Yeah, sure. so that, you know that's <laughs> the bustling metropolis of Main Street has shifted slightly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really does stick with the people, though. I remember coming back uh, right before Julie and I got married, and it was, uh, you know, I was far enough along that all of the people that I obviously graduated with and the people that so yeah. a lot of the teachers that I had had moved on. And it was the very first time that I felt, I would say lonely, but kind of kind of out of place in Condren. I'm like, what what yeah. has happened to my beautiful town? This is no longer a place that I feel I was welcomed, but you don't, you know, you 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 feel out of sorts and it takes a while yeah. to to really find that. But it is the people. It is Yeah, you know, it's those staff kids, the kids that grew up there. That's the hardest thing in our boys, you know, it's their hometown. And yet when they go back there all those things that made it their hometown, the people are not there where I can go to my hometown today. And I still have my high school buddies are still around and family. And, mm -hmm. and it, it truly has that going home feel, mm -hmm. but it, it's a challenge in the, in that MK world. Uh, you know, there is another term there's TCKs and MKs, but there's also ed kids. These are the children of school staff. This is somebody did a doctoral research on that group. And like Luke and Tyler in that batch, they're ed kids. And, uh, and there's all that movement. And who are they? Because they're not, they didn't come from Italy like you guys. Um, they, they grew up in this, it was the international world that came to them. And very unusual, very, very interesting community that they grew up in. and. So ed kids. Yeah. Wow. Hey, one other thing, I mean, I'm just thinking about yeah. know, what's on your minds and your legacy yeah. and how you continue to tell the black force Academy story. And maybe you can't tell this one, but I mean, when I think back to the leaders that it, the BFA has produced there, again, there's no school like this, uh, you know, it produced Henry Taves who opened ACSI Europe. 
It produces George Durant, who transforms a Canadian college and then takes on Teach Beyond, transforms this mission, and they are serving schools right around the world. It's it's incredible. Yeah. And and then I emerge out of that to serve schools right around the world. And now Gavin Bretney, mm-hmm. who came to you already as a leader, but now he's going to go on to to serve us in ways that we're not even yet able to imagine. Um, it's just that that's yeah. Black Force Academy. Too, yeah. Well, Tim, thank you for being obedient to the call so many years ago and for your faithfulness here uh, serving at BFA and and um, just the ways that you've made an impact in a much broader sense um, through your service at ACSI. And thanks for coming on and talking to us, um, lowly new guys. I feel like a new guy now after (laughs) talking to you. Um, there's been a there's been a small amount of fear and trepidation through this call. <laughs> like, it's Mr. Schumann. Oh, I have to. Yeah. But yeah, we're just we just really appreciate um, the legacy that you've left, and um, just that you're willing to share it with us. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're we're happy to be part of it, and we'll always be a part of it. Um, yeah, we we miss it a lot, uh, but we are where we need to be right now. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it.